he looks out and there's like weeds. It's like a marshy area. And he says to me, that's where my brother Kelsey drowned. And then I notice him getting all teared up. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, um, he's sharing something with me that I'm seeing him in a totally different light. You know, he lost a brother. Um, and to me, he, all he did is said that, right? That's where my brother Kelsey uh, drowned. Um, that's a story statement because I want to know a whole bunch more. But I'm also seeing that he is telling me something really personal. It must have been a reason why he wanted to tell me that. And I'm seeing him vulnerable. You know, he's tearing up. And so that changed my life. I mean, that one story changed my life. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, Dan Moyle. Welcome to Season 8 of the Storytellers Network podcast, Educational Storytellers. And today, I definitely have one with me. Uh, in fact, not only is he an educational storyteller, but he will educate us about story. So that's going to be very fun. Now, before we get into that conversation with my guest, a quick reminder, the website has great resources, past episodes and interviews, uh, and just good stuff for stories. So check out the storytellersnetwork.com for all of that. So author of The Proverb Effect and read this first, The Executive's Guide to New Media, Ron Plouffe is an educator of story and a great storyteller in general. Uh, he's also the brains behind the story how pitch deck, which we talk about, which is basically a story coach in your pocket. I love this idea. Uh, and I, need, I, need, I need to have it because I need to be a better storyteller myself. Uh, usually I'm digging into the personal story of storytellers that I admire or get to know. And this episode, I do that for sure. But I also get into the how of storytelling with Ron. So it's a little bit of inspiration, a little dash of education and a whole lot of fun. So let's get to the stories. Ron, welcome to the Storytellers Network. Thanks for taking time on your Saturday as we're recording to spend it with me. Welcome. So Ron, uh, I'm going to guess the answer to this question, but I still like to start with it just to like start the conversation off. Um, do you consider yourself a storyteller? Was this a surprise to get this, this invitation or are you like, yeah, I'm a storyteller? Storyteller. I'm a working storyteller. Yes. Yes. And very much a working storyteller. Uh, where does that story of you being that storyteller kind of begin? When did you realize that that was going to be what you do? When I think back to this, the, the, my origin story as a storyteller, probably back to my grandfather. Uh, my grandfather was the best storyteller uh, that, that I've ever heard before. Mm. And what was really cool about him is that he was a Boston cab driver and he only had a sixth grade education. And so um, just uh, hanging around and uh, just finding out that uh, like the stories that happened to him when he was a kid and he was just a great storyteller. I think I just picked it up from there and, and I figured that, wow, this is a way to communicate with people. So it probably goes back to when I was like six or seven years old that I really appreciated storytellers. Hmm. 
And, and did you think as you got, as you became a, 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 an older young man, like this could be a career for me or was it just like, well, I love story, but I still have to go find a real job. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I, I, I have a real job and I have my, uh, my passion, right. Mm. Uh, and trying to put them together is what I tried to do. But what I've always tried to do is to see since I, I, I could figure out, it was pretty easy to see that storytelling was a way to communicate with people that I decided to use it. So my degree is in electrical engineering. And so really? when I graduated um, from college and I was working on Ronald Reagan's Star Wars program back in the, uh, in the 80s, yes. um, that uh, I found that storytelling techniques helped me. Uh, I was probably in my early 20s when I had to explain this thing called a hemispherical resonator gyro. Really technical sounding thing, right? And I was trying to figure out the way to do it. And I had to do it in front of a group of people. And there was no such thing as PowerPoint. There was no such thing as, um, uh, as animation and things like that that you could show. And so the best way that I could figure it out was that I actually walked in with a hula hoop. And I used it and I bent it and I stretched it and I showed how it actually worked. Mm -hmm. And that goes back into my early 20s, trying to figure out ways to communicate concepts to people and uh then also maybe there's a way of doing it in, in a fun way mm -hmm. so so electrical engineering the star mm -hmm. wars program i remember that growing up mm -hmm. uh you didn't have to be what we would think of as a storyteller as like a, a uh, an author of books and telling fictional stories. You didn't have to be a storyteller of creating movies or TV shows. You used story in your everyday corporate life to communicate more effectively. Is that kind of how I, I see that? Yeah, absolutely. The fact that, uh, that story and the elements of story work across cultures, across time, that, that's when you start to realize that if there is a way to, to use, to understand what are the things that work to communicate and then to use them in a story structure, if you will, then you can communicate better. And that's really, that has been my, that is my passion, trying to find ways to communicate with others better. That's, that's really very interesting to me. Cause I, and I, and I like, I know this, but as a marketer, I think of story and marketing and how to, how to, how, to, how to use it there or in sales is kind of a thing. But it's interesting to me that you can use it in any kind of a, of a communication and, and use it purposefully. So I love that. Um, why do you think the stories are so powerful like that? Crossing all those different lines of professions. Why do we love stories so much? Story. There's... Um, uh, there's some some work. Uh, Kendall Haven. Have you ever talked with Kendall Haven? No. Okay. So here's someone you need to. Um, I will I'll hook you up with him. Okay. Kendall Haven is a, is a fascinating guy. Uh, he's written written a couple books. One is called Story Proof. One is um, Story Proof. Run a blank. <laughs> um, what he's done is he has um, he EEG leads on people and watch their brainwaves while people were listening to story. Mm. And so he learned, he also swabbed their, um, their cheeks to find out, you know, levels of oxytocin. Uh, and, uh, and so what he found is one of the, the, the fundamental things that he found is that story is the only way that people learn. Mm. There is a connection between story and learning. So, um, 
if you go to uh, the, the stories, say, say the story spine, okay? The story spine by Ken Adams. Once upon a time, every day, then one day, and because of that and because of that until finally and ever since that day. If you take the story spine, think about it. That's how people learn. Mm. Like, how did we start as babies with little brains, our little operating systems with no apps? Just nothing on our brains. And how did we bootstrap that to become, you know, I'm an engineer and a storyteller and you became a marketer. How, how did we do that? We learned to walk and talk and then do all of this thing. Well, it goes back to story and that story structure. Let me see if I can, uh, the example that I like to use is think about it. Once upon a time, there was a baby girl. Every day when she cried, someone picked her up. And then one day she cried and nobody picked her up. And because of that, she cried louder. And because of that, she cried louder until one day she realized that when it's dark outside, they don't pick her up. And when it's light outside, they do pick her up. And ever since that day, she learned to sleep through the night. So story is tied into this ability of, of people to look at the world around us and try to make sense. That's the operating system of humans. Mm. What am I experiencing? Does it make sense? How do I compare it to something I've seen before? And how can I maybe use it to predict into the future? Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's fundamental to humans. And that's why if we can actually tie in and study story and story structure, then we have a better way of communicating with people. Absolutely. So let's, let's get into that a little bit. I want to talk uh, Proverbs. So your book, The Proverb Effect came out back in 2018 and, and you've talked a lot about it on another podcast. You probably talk about it in front of groups. So hopefully you're not tired of it. <laughs> um, no. But for listeners who aren't familiar, let's dig in a little bit. So let's start with what is a proverb and, and, and how that affected your book. Sure. Um, and then there is, uh, there's the story how pitch deck, which is before that. All right. So just want okay. uh, to, to talk to talk through in 2015, I actually broke story down uh, and uh, and help people use story structure for creating stories. So I'd, I'd love to talk about that. But let's talk about yeah. the proverb effect, because one of the things that I do as a storyteller is I'm trying to rather than take a look at story as it's a big structure. You know, you've got the um, the. Uh, uh, the beginning, the middle, the end, and you have all of these different, you know, you know stories. And there's the, um, you know, uh, there's Joseph Campbell's, you know, uh, the, the hero's journey and all mm -hmm. these things, which to me are big and hefty and lofty and it scares people, right? right? If they're trying to become storytellers. So what I've been trying to do is trying to figure out how can I break story down into, into different areas? And once I did that, I said, how can I actually break things down into statements? How can I break things down to that? And that's when I started looking at Proverbs. And I started looking at and saying, like, here's something interesting. Uh, it, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Now, we've all heard that. But if you think about it, where did you learn it? Where did it come from? Mm. It comes from the 1700s. And as a marketer, you can understand, you know, uh, how do you get people to, to remember anything? Well, mm -hmm. how does something stick in our collective conscience for over 250 years? It's, it's crazy. And so what I did is I said, you know, I, maybe there's something to these proverbs. And I started studying them. I collected uh, about 1,500 of them. I ran them through linguistic analysis and tried to figure out, is there, are there rules for creating these things that I eventually figured out are the ultimate long story short? And that's how I got into proverbs. And, and what, a, 
what an engineer's way of thinking to say. I, I collect them and I broke them down. <laughs> Absolutely. No, no. Uh, I mean, that's I, awesome. you are what you are, right? And right. yes, I am uh, an engineer. I'm a geek. I love data. I love breaking <laughs> down things down and then figuring out ways of taking what I've learned and explain it to other people through story. Yeah. So I, I think I kind of understand, but let's still kind of dig into why yeah. those proverbs are so powerful in storytelling. What is it that makes them just... I mean, almost, it seems like the ultimate, as you said, long story short, what makes them so powerful? What they do is um, there, there's something that I like to call a story statement. Okay. And a story statement is something that puts more questions in your mind. And there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing that you can do about it. Um, uh, for instance, let's just take a lot of people confuse narrative and story. They're two different things. All right. Narrative is a collection of facts. Uh, the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog. Okay. It's, it's, it's a series of facts. And you say, okay, that's great. That's a narrative. But if I make one little change and I say, the quick brown fox wanted to jump over the lazy dog. Now what happens in your brain? You start. Why? Why did he make it? It opens up questions. And one of the things that Proverbs is great at is that it opens up questions in the brain. If we talk about story as how we learn and you start to look at, I'm trying to understand the meaning of what's going on around me, that a proverb will, will give you some information that you have to unpack you have to, your brain has to actively look and say, what do these words mean? Why are they applicable to this situation? And then you get in an, an aha moment and, and they're all built that way. Is a parable similar to what a proverb is? Are they different? Yeah. Um, a, a parable is, uh, is um, a more expanded version. All right, so a parable is a story, like a fable is a story with a message. But one of the things you can do is you can usually take a parable or a fable and you can crunch them down to the punchline is a proverb. Okay. Slow and steady wins the race is a proverb based on the tortoise and the hare. Mm. Okay. And the tortoise and the hare would be the, the parable then. That would be the longer. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Um, so I also saw in one of your, uh, or, or heard in one of your interviews, you talk about the three families of Proverbs. Uh, let's get into that a little bit. What, is, what are the three families and how do you kind of have to navigate those as a storyteller? So there are, um, there are, different, there are different families of Proverbs. Actually, um, when I started looking at constructing a proverb, uh, I found out that there are um, three things that you have to do. There are functions, frames, and finishes, okay? okay? So the families that you're talking about would be the function, okay? Am I, uh, and so the three functions are, are you defining something? Are you predicting something? Or are you prescribing something? And so those are the things that, um, that those are the three different families. And so if you actually take a look at, um, at, at a proverb, sometimes you can say the same thing. It's the same overall meaning, but 
it has a different um, you're, a, a different uh, outcome. You know, um, you know, like if, if you think about um, nobody ever get fired for buying IBM. All right. That's a prediction. It, it, but you might be able to say that maybe it's a definition, you know, that um, uh, buying IBM saves your job. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you can take it, look at it as a, as a definition. I'm defining one thing as in terms of another that I'm predicting. If you do this, that will happen. And then a prescription that, um, that uh, don't do this or something bad will happen right. or to keep something bad from happening. Okay. Okay. So if we think about um, <clears throat> wanting to create these proverbs or, or, you know, I guess create them. I mean, some of them we just retell, but if we think about creating them, is that where this crosses into the pitch deck idea? Are they completely separate? Because I want to know how to create these proverbs. Mm -hmm. And and I'm wondering if that's what then will get us into the the pitch deck discussion as well. Yeah, I mean, you can look at it either way. I mean, uh, the way I look at it is I took story and I broke story down into these elements um, that's for building stories. And then I, I, I then took the idea of how do you take stories and then break them down into something pithy, something that's interesting, memorable, and persuasive that you can use in a proverb. And so it, um, it, it's a way of just boiling it down. Think about where you, ju- you just asked about parables or, or fables that um, you, could, you could start with uh, slow and steady wins the race, and people say, oh, okay, yeah, I kind of get that. And then you can say, well, let me tell you a story. Or you go the other way, that you can say, um, I tell the story, and then you finish it. One of, the, one of the interesting things about Proverbs is that they're both premise and conclusion. And so you can, let's say you're trying to put together a talk. You can open with uh, a proverb, slow and steady wins the race. You can tell the story. And then you can prove it at the end by saying, see, slow and steady wins the race. Mm-hmm. And so that's how that they're all uh, interrelated. Okay. So if you were to sit down with someone and say, okay, I want you as the business owner or the head of marketing or the whatever it is, and, and you want to get your brand promise into a proverb, uh, where do you start with them? Do you ask them about their, their business story? Do you just like, like how, where do you start with them? Yeah. You know, one of the things that I find is, is really tough for people is just finding that big idea. Like, what is the thing you're trying to say? What are you passionate about? What do you need to convey? And so you need to somehow go from, uh, from this inspiration to a concept, right? You have to figure out, you know, how do I, how do I formulate this thing? That's usually uh, tough. The way um, with, with Proverbs, once you understand that, I know what I'm going to say. Then you can start to say, can I now use the rules of Proverbs? Like if, if I said, you know, if, if you're talking with somebody and you said, Ron, what are you trying to say? I said, well, you know, I, storytelling is the most powerful communications concept in the world. Okay, that's a concept. That, that's great. But now is there a way that we can walk through and say, well, how do I want to tell it? Do I, do I want to uh, do it as a definition, a prediction, a prescription, and then break it down into, uh, into some of the other rules on, on putting it onto a frame and then adding some, uh, some color, colorful finishes, whether it be rhyme or rhythm and, and, and things like that. So that's the process that, that you would take someone through. For some reason, uh, you ask people and they say, well, I don't know what I want to say. <laughs> right. It's kind of hard to create a proverb if you, if you don't understand that. But then once they do, 
you finally get it to that point. You say, okay, now here's your big idea. Maybe it's, maybe it's an entire paragraph. That's great. Now let's pull out the most important pieces. Great. Now we understand this is the foundation that we're going to build upon. And now let's see if we can turn it into something that's interesting, memorable, and persuasive. Interesting, memorable, and persuasive. And that's, that's it right there. Yeah. Awesome. That's, that's incredible. I, listeners need to go check out the, the book for sure. Um, let's, so let's go back in time then to Pitch yeah. Deck. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, explain a little bit about how, how it works and why you created it. And then we'll get into kind of unpacking that. So you had mentioned before that storytelling uh, in my life goes way back. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in 2005, I started a storytelling podcast called Griddle Cakes Radio. And so, uh, and so I've been doing storytelling for a while. <laughs> Actually, in 1995, I wrote a, a book called uh, The Edison Effect, mm-hmm. which is, um, uh, again, written as a novel, just as The Proverb Effect. The Proverb Effect is written as a novel. I teach people how to build proverbs, but it's in the context of a story. I'm a working storyteller. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what happened is in, in around 2013, 14, all of a sudden people in business and marketing started saying, yeah, it's all about storytelling. It's all about storytelling. And I'm thinking to myself, well, yeah, that's no, no big deal to me. But people started reaching out to me. And they're saying, Ron, they said, how do you tell stories? And I didn't have an answer for him, Dan. I was like, uh, I don't know. It's sort of like asking me, how do you breathe in and out? I mean, I, I, I just do it. But then I guess I put that engineering mind to it. Yes. And I started looking at stories and breaking them down and, uh, and eventually said, okay, I now have a way of helping people. You may not need to tell an entire story, but what if you actually used a storytelling technique to help uh, just convey a concept? And so I came up with a definition. And, and so the definition of, uh, that I have for a story is that a story is the result of people pursuing what they want. A story is the result of people pursuing what they want. Mm. And then um, when, when I looked at that, that means that there are roles, events, and influences. So those are the three pieces that you need. Uh, they became three suits in a deck of cards that I call the story how pitch deck. And there was a fourth suit that I added, techniques little tiny techniques that story uh, that stories uh, use or storytellers use. And that's Look at story that. Listen, for, for listeners listening, go check out the video. Cause that's cool. <laughs> that's awesome. And how is, and how has that journey been for you? I mean, once you got that kind of broken down, you have this product, how do you then get that in the hands of people? Do they just find you you're an overnight success or do you go out and have to <laughs> talk about it? Of course, Tell no stories, right? <laughs> exactly. No one's an overnight success, right? Uh, but you know, I, I, it's just like, you know, normal marketing, right? Uh, the, the fact that I'm out there talking, um, all the time, I'm being interviewed on podcasts and things like that. I love, um, speaking, uh, I've, I've been a speaker many times to say marketing profs has ever been to one of their events. They're awesome. Um, uh, I write, amazing. uh, hmm? and Hanley's amazing. I love, I love marketing profs. I think that they do great work there. That's cool. I, um, uh, I've known Ann Handley over 40 years. We went to middle school together. Really? Yeah. <laughs> she, she's on my list for 2020 as one of my authors I want to talk to. So. All right. There you go. There yeah, you go. She's fantastic. That's cool. That's funny. What a small world. It's, it's a very small world. Yes. So, um, uh, and, and then um, it was just a matter of, uh, you know, getting the, uh, the pitch deck, putting it on Amazon, 
And uh, I, I have a newsletter. So, um, you know, uh, my Dragon Slayer Digest newsletter that, um, that I use all the time and, uh, and word of mouth. And uh, I, I, I just checked, um, it was a couple of months, but I had my 31st country that it was, uh, that it was purchased from. Nice. So uh, it's being, uh, it's been out in two, since 2015 and uh, it is still being ordered. It's not like a big, you know, it's definitely the long tail. I mean, that, uh, that <laughs> I'm, I'm selling well, I'm very, very happy with, with the sales. Um, and, and then the other thing is, uh, that's the other thing that I think was, was different about it and makes it useful is I wanted to come up with a tool. At first I said, well, should I write a book? And I noticed there are a lot of books out there. And then I said, well, what if, um, if I created a, some, a tool that people could use? Well, maybe it's an app on your phone or something. I just started thinking through. And um, one of the things is I've had at, uh, in my house uh, for, for many, many years is the Creative Whack Pack um, by Von Eck. And this is a, a creativity tool. It's a deck of cards, and I've used it for, it's probably 25 years old at least. And uh, I said, you know, I wonder if I can actually break this into a deck of cards. And so it's a useful tool that, that people can, can use and, and, and break out and maybe put back into their desk drawer, as opposed to a book that ends up on a shelf and maybe people don't use. So that's how I decided to come up with a deck of cards. And they're, they're again fascinating that, that you thought, have had to think through each one of these platforms. Um, you've mentioned even just in, in, in marketing yourself, marketing your personal brand, podcasts and social media and your email newsletter, which everybody thinks email is dead, but I mean, a powerful email newsletter is amazing. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's a way of um, having a direct connect. I mean, with, with social, with social media or say podcasting um, that you don't really know who's on the other end. And of course you, ha you know, who's on the other end with, uh, with email. Also you get to, it, it's within your control um, that you have your list and that uh, it's not like you're on a platform that they decide to change the rules and <laughs> you no longer can reach your audiences. Mm -hmm. So um, that's another reason why email is, is very important. Yeah. Um, and there again, I mean, not to like, you know, uh, make this all about the, the Ann show, but uh, Ann Hanley is one of my favorite newsletters to get right now. And uh, so I'm gonna have to check out Dragon Slayers as well. I saw that on your website. Let's slay dragons together. I'm like, that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> so my, my youngest is a and d player. So um, we're all about go. dragons. Um, that's awesome, Ron. So what do you think? Um, it, it sounds to me like I'm kind of tongue in cheek here, but like you're, you're really good at telling stories. Everything seems to be going really well. But I imagine there's some challenges. What do you think is one of the biggest challenges that you've faced as that working storyteller? There's a lot of lip service, I think, that goes on out there. Mm -hmm. Is that on one hand, the story is like mom and apple pie, right? Is it, yeah, I get that. But it doesn't apply here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so to me, that um, on one hand, people will get it. They, they understand and they have to, it's the way we learn. So they have to at a certain point understand that. Yeah. But then making the, the, the jump, you really need say uh, in, inside a company uh, inside say uh, your marketing uh, executives, they need to believe you need to have a believer that content marketing works. You need to be a believer that uh, that that story that we can apply story to the messages that we're trying to convey, 
without that, it is an uphill and insurmountable problem. And if you don't necessarily have a believer there that makes the decisions, if you are a believer uh, under those, how do you, how do you, how do you show them that? I mean, if, if they kind of say, yeah, we get it, but you know, we've got these other things that we're doing and blah, blah, blah. Like, how can they, you change their mind? The, the only way that I've found to, to do it, and it's not foolproof because, you know, changing people's minds is not very easy, mm. but apply it to your own job, right? So don't, don't use, um, don't say that, hey, all right, don't just jump to, we're going to use storytelling in our marketing. Use it in maybe the next time you are giving a presentation on the quarterly marketing results, but use storytelling to tell that story. Um, one, of, uh, one of the people who used the Story How Pitch Deck, he, uh, he, he told me that that's exactly what he did. And so I'm not making this up, that this is actually an example. Uh, and it's one of the little case studies that's, on, uh, that's at storyhow.com that you can read about. And what he said was uh, he had to come up with a presentation. He goes, normally it was boring with charts and graphs. And, and he says he wanted to see if he could do something. So he actually used the Story How pitch deck and he outlined the presentation. And he gave the presentation. And at first he was a little nervous because they had never done this before. Right? It was normally just the, the boring charts and then everybody moves on. Well, I forget whether if it was his boss or the CEO, I, I, don't, I forget which one, but it was some, an executive higher than him, came up to him after it and said, can you help me put my presentation together? <laughs> yes. So what he did is he used storytelling and connected in such a way that people saw value. And so now he is in a perfect position to say, I would, first of all, I would love to do that. Let me help you out. And then if that works, say, hey, what if we tried to apply this to our marketing stuff? <laughs> so it, it would be a strategy that you're going to have to uh, do your own internal campaign, but why not, um, why not use it on your own stuff first? Mm -hmm. You have the audience. See Absolutely. how it works with them. They're going to notice that you're doing something different. As a matter of fact, that's the storytelling technique. And then one day, you know, once upon a time, we always did the presentations the same way. And then one day, Dan went up and, and told a story. And ever since that day, we've been telling stories. It's the same thing. It's the story structure. Oh, I love it. It gets me, it just gets me pumped up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, so do you have a life-changing story that you can look back on and say, this, this worked on me? Um, you know, as a storyteller who, who breaks these down all the time, who, who lives in this world, have you ever looked around and said, this is what changed my life when it came to story? Well, it, it might be, um, the, the one that's coming to my, to my mind uh, was, I had mentioned my grandfather. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and I had a, an incredible connection with my grandfather that um, it, it was life-changing in many ways. And it, it, uh, it, it, I used to visit um, Nova Scotia with him. So he was originally from, uh, from Nova Scotia. Mm. And uh, we're driving along one day and we kind of go onto this dirt road 
and he stops and he pulls over. So I'm trying to think, you know, my, my grandfather is probably like 60 years old or something, uh, something like that. Only a couple years older than I am now, which is weird. Um, <laughs> but so 60 years old and you've always looked up to him, right? He's a strong man. He's, um, uh, he, he's, he's fun to be around, things like that. He looks out and there's like weeds. It's like a marshy area. And he says to me, that's where my brother Kelsey drowned. And then I notice him getting all teared up. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, um, he's sharing something with me that I'm seeing him in a totally different light. You know, he lost a brother. Um, and to me, he, all he did is said that, right? That's where my brother Kelsey uh, drowned. Um, that's a story statement because I want to know a whole bunch more. But I'm also seeing that he is telling me something really personal. It must have been a reason why he wanted to tell me that. And I'm seeing him vulnerable. You know, he's tearing up. And so that changed my life. I mean, that one story changed my life because I started seeing people older than me differently. I started thinking about, wow, just a few words can cause an incredible connection between people. So that one little tiny piece is, is probably what, um, well, it's definitely one of the reasons I became a storyteller, but it was life-changing for me. And I was probably, I don't know, like I said, nine, 10 years old. And so even that early, you knew. That I knew. That's, yeah. Man, what, a, what an incredible memory to have for your grandpa and to keep his legacy going. Absolutely. And, and then um, the other thing is a good storyteller is curious. You know, curiosity is, 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 a, is a great part of a storyteller because you want to start to dig in. And uh, it was a couple years ago that I noticed that on our family tree, um, I like genealogy in our family tree, that Kelsey wasn't on there. I said, that's not fair to Uncle Kelsey, right? Mm -hmm. So let's dig up and, and let's find out, um, find out. And so I actually did some research and I found that uh, I found his, his death certificate uh, that said he died of drowning. Uh, five years old, uh, mm. but then there was something, another story. Immediately next to his death certificate, if you looked over, was another five-year-old boy who drowned on the exact same day. Mm. Found a newspaper article that said both boys were playing together, they fell off the dock, and they drowned. Mm. So, there's an, I mean, not only was it a tragedy, it was a double tragedy between two different families. Mm. And uh, so, it, so it just shows you that, um, that study one story and you're probably going to discover another story. Yeah. Wow. And I hate to be depressing. This is, <laughs> no, no, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's tragic, but it's one of those, like you said, you, you learn, you learn the connections between people and how story does connect us. And these two families were, ever connected. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. And we can turn that into professional storytelling in some way, whether it's business, whether it's being a storyteller, whatever. So um, yeah, what, a, what, a, what an amazing thing to go back and think about. Yeah. And then you think about it. Um, so it happened in 1917. And, uh, and it said that, um, uh, that the other boy's uh, uh, father was overseas. Does that mean he's in World War One? Right. Mm -hmm. You start to when you start to put these things together, and that's what again to me, uh, storytelling is uh, is sometimes a curse uh, because 
well, you want to know more. You want to know how this connects to that. And you want to. And so it, it does become consuming. And then when you have all this information, how do you now crunch it down so that you're not boring the hell out of people? Mm, right. Yeah. So is, is that curiosity where, where you find your inspiration then? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will, um, I'll see something that I get interested in. And then I need to dig in. I mean, like, you know, Proverbs, right? <laughs> like, um, and, and it really comes down to uh, uh, this, the book Proverbs, the proverb effect came out of a blog post that I wrote where I was trying to say, like, what is the difference between, you know, like, when do you, t- when do you tell a parable, right? When, when do you tell, um, you know, a, a story and a parable and, uh, and these different things? And then I said, well, and then when do you tell a proverb? And so it really came down to you need to understand your audience, right? That there are some times that you can tell a um, uh, just a, like a short story where it, everybody in the, the audience knows something. So if you're speaking with electrical engineers, you can use concepts that is family knowledge that, that people know. And you can use shorthand and shortcuts. But if you're a more general audience, then you need to uh, maybe use more general concepts, and that's when I started finding out that Proverbs use very general concepts, people that we all, we understand, and that, that it's those general concepts that you use to, uh, to convey to people. So understanding your audience, what they know, what do we share between us? There's a technique that I like to use uh, when, I'm, uh, when I'm speaking or, or, or training or, or giving a lecture that is, uh, is I like to say, um, have you ever had an experience where, and you get people nodding. Mm-hmm. And so then you can go into maybe a story talking about it. Just by asking that question, people are, you're settling them to say, yeah, yeah, I've been there before. Like, oh man, like, especially if something you're like, have you ever been in an embarrassing situation? Yeah. <laughs> that right. all of a sudden instantly you have a connection, you have a bond. And then using that bond to build the story on again, to have a great communication between people. Mm-hmm. Group empathy. Is that fair to say? Uh, the best storytellers have empathy for their audiences. Yeah. And, and I, and, and would you also say then those great storytellers elicit empathy from the audience to them as well? Like, is, is it a mutual connection that makes it great? Because that's what comes to mind when you say, you know, when, when, when you say, have you ever had that experience? You're showing empathy to the group that, yeah, you know, they have, but in the same sense, they're going, oh yeah, I've been there. So now they feel that connection to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely. I was the, the way you had originally phrased it, I wasn't connecting with because I'm not trying to make someone do anything toward me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I am trying to establish a connection. You know, we've both been embarrassed before. Right. Um, and, uh, and just by then using that commonality uh, is, is how we connect. So, yes, I, I agree with you. Yeah. So, you, so you've talked about writing. You've talked about your, your, uh, your, your cards. You've talked about presenting. you talked about podcasts. Do you have a platform that is your favorite when it comes to um, sharing and telling stories? I, I love lecturing and speaking. Mm-hmm. I, I do. Um, and my favorite part is the Q and a because it's live without a net. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's the part. Cause you know, with a presentation you can, you can prepare and you can present and you kind of know how you're going to go from one subject to the other. And, and, and you might be using storytelling techniques to do it. 
And then uh, my favorite is the Q&A because you just don't know what's going to come. And a lot of times in Q&A, I'll learn something or I'll just jot down a question saying like, I don't know the answer to that. That's a great question. And then that curiosity thing happens and you start fixating and digging into it and finding out an answer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have found that uh, live, live interactions, right? Whether it's a big group or a small brainstorming session, I love that much as I enjoy writing and everything else like that is such a great place to connect. So yeah. Yeah. Nothing, nothing's better than face to face. Have you ever looked around Ron and, th- and thought, man, I've kind of got to the point where I've made it. And and I don't mean that as like, I'm done growing. Right. But you know, if you think about your grandfather, would he look at you now? Do you think and go, man, look at how far he's come. Like, have you looked around and gone? Yeah, I kind of feel like I've made it. I I have established myself and I feel pretty good. Yeah. I never feel that way. (laughs) Always challenging for more. Yeah. Um, I think, um, I think as I get older, you start seeing that, you know, there's probably less time in front of you than behind you. And I'm not, you know, making any statements saying, you know, thinking bad is going to happen immediately, but it's, it's life, right? Right. There's a finite uh, you know, time. <laughs> exactly. You know, we're, we're empty nesters. You know, my, my son turns 29, my daughter uh, just turned 26. Um, and so, uh, it's, you know, it's me and my wife and, and we're here. Um, and so, you start looking at life that way. And then the other thing is, if you do have this, this curiosity piece and you start looking in, you get fascinating with subjects. The more you learn, the more you realize how much you don't know. Mm. And, uh, and then if you get fixated on something, and I know that, oh, no, this is, this is going to be another book. I just know, right? You, know, <laughs> like, it's the, you keep pulling on the threads and, and more sleeves fall off, right? Mm. This is gonna be, so now you have to say, is it worth my time to dig into this thing? Mm. So, um, so I haven't felt that I've made it. Now, I do feel very confident that if someone asks me about storytelling, I can share exactly what I know and what I've learned. Um, but uh, I'm constantly finding new areas to, to, to dig into. I usually write about them on my blog uh, and share them on my newsletter. And then after a while, you start to say, wow, there's, there's a theme here. I'm going to take those 10 or 12 and pull them together. And there's probably something deeper here um, to see if we might be able to help people understand this concept in a new and different way. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why I asked that is because I, I also feel like a, a, lot of, a lot of people I've spoken with, while they don't feel like they've made it, there's always more to do and there's always a, a challenge ahead but they oftentimes can look back and see milestones of, oh, here's where I went to maybe the next level or here's something that happened to me that I'm super grateful for. And I, and I, love, I love hearing those stories. Do you yeah. have a moment where you've looked, that you've kind of stopped and, and uh, reflected and said, okay, here's a milestone that I never thought I would hit? <clears throat> maybe looking back on it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you notice a, a milestone. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've, the, instead of saying like, have I made it? What I've noticed is that, that it's probably through my study and through active storytelling that I have the ability to find the story pretty quickly. 
to find the thread. I'll hear the information say, okay, this is the way we need to tell that story. Mm. All right. And, uh, and I've gotten pretty good at it. So that's just something I've gotten really, really good at. Um, and, and it's a matter of finding the story. Uh, so I'll give you, I'll, let me tell you this little tiny story on, on like where all of a sudden I said like, wow, how, how can you come up with that, right? Like the only way you could have come up with this, only you could have come up with this and it's because of your collective experience. So um, uh, for three years, I was the head of social media for Epson America, okay? The printers and projectors company. Mm-hmm. And that they also have other products. One of them is a label maker. And so you, know, you type in and it prints out the little label and, and, and you can label it. And they had some sort of... Um, uh, it, it was like a, a, a contest or, or, or something like that where um, uh, they were like teachers would fill out a survey on say how students are using their, their products or services um, uh, in the classroom. And so we got this big marketing data thing um, and I'm looking at the charts and I'm looking at the stories and people said, okay, great. We got our information. We're done. Let's move on. And so I said, oh, wait a minute. There's, you know, there's like, you know, um, 1,500 responses here. There are 1,500 stories to look in. So tell you what, you throw the data away, but I want to dive into this and find the stories. Mm. So think about it. A label maker. This is probably one of the most boring products in the world, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Until... I looked at this one entry and decided to call the teacher. They got the label maker and she was in a special needs. She was a special needs teacher. And she starts telling me the story that the kids are using it to like learn how to spell and they were label everything in the classroom. So they'd learn to spell, they spell it, they start labeling everything in the classroom. And then there's this one little guy one little guy who has, um, uh, he, he can't speak. He has no ability to speak. But what he started doing was typing out words and putting them into a notebook. And so when he needed his shoes tied, he pointed to shoes. When he was hungry, he pointed to food. Mm. So here you have this boring label maker that is used by a student who has not the ability to speak, but he's using it to communicate. So to me, when when you ask that question, that would be one of those pivotal moments where I said, no, there's a story here. We need to find it. And then to find, to me, one of the most profound marketing um, messages I've ever heard. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps again, just thinking about it. Yes. And how do you, how do you get that? And then think about it. Do you think that you could have gone to some uh, marketing offsite and come up with this story, this use for a label maker? The answer is no. Mm. But the way is to, to say, no, there's a story here. Let's dig in. Let, let's find it. And so that would be my example of, of, of like a pivotal moment where it would be only the weird the weird thoughts in Ron's brain that would come up with finding this story. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's incredible. I've used that word a lot today. So I feel like listeners are going, all right, stop saying that. Um, <laughs> that's fun. That's awesome. So I, I want to 
I, I want to get to my last question here in a moment, uh, but I always want to give every, uh, my guests a chance to make sure everybody can connect with them. Mm-hmm. So what's the best, I'll put some links in the show notes, of course, that, that I have, but what's the best place you send people to connect with Ron Bluth? Yeah, go to storyhow.com. Mm-hmm. That's it. You'll find everything about me and my Dragon Slayer Digest newsletter and uh, my blog post. Everything you need to know will be right there, Perfect. including when you post this, this, uh, this interview. Oh, cool. <laughs> All right. Awesome. So Ron, if someone were to say to you, uh, today, Ron Plouffe, you are all done being a storyteller, find something else to do. What would your last story be that you'd want to leave as your legacy, leave behind, whatever? Wow. What would be my last story? Um, the, my only answer to that is, uh, is when, when people say that, you know, um, Ron, what do you want written on your tombstone? My answer is this. He made the complex simple. That's it. And that's a proverb. Yep. Yeah. Sort of. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Fantastic, Ron. Thank you so much for educating the, the listeners on, on how to do what you do, for sharing your personal story. This has been incredible. Thank you so much. Dan, it was a pleasure. There you have it, Ron Plouffe. Once again, thank you so much, Ron, for being on the Storytellers Network. And thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to connect with Ron and look at that story pitch deck or anything else, uh, you can connect with him at the links in the show notes. I've got the link to his website and social media and everything. So if you enjoyed the episode, maybe you learned something new, uh, just enjoy my conversation with Ron as much as I did. Consider sharing it with someone. Really appreciate that. Also, if you love what I'm doing here, uh, check out reviews on Apple Podcasts or anywhere that you listen to podcasts that allows you to leave a review. I appreciate that. And if you want to stare, if you want to stare, you don't want to stare at me. If you want to share your story with me, <laughs> go to the storytellersnetwork.com. Hit contact Dan on, on that page there. Uh, it's just Dan at the storytellersnetwork.com too if you want to shoot me an email. So let's connect and chat about story, shall we? Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's to telling our stories and having those stories to tell. Cheers. Cheers.